Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We're going to follow Jacob and his family, and we're going to follow these guys as they continue to, well, in one sense, pursue the Lord, kind of. This is a messed up family. This messed up. You may read through Esau's line, and you're like, wow, what a messed up family. And then you read Jacob's family, and you're like, wow, that's a messed up family too. It seems as though God doesn't use perfect people. Well, he doesn't because they don't exist. They don't. There was only one perfect person used by God, and his name was Jesus. And that's it. As we look at Jacob and Esau and observe their family line, we see a number of people that, although sometimes deep in sin, are continuously used by God in incredible ways. Pastor James shows us how God chose the people who were poor in the eyes of the world to speak through the most when they chose to live their lives for Him. This holds true for anyone, even today. No matter how far you may have strayed from God, He'll still forgive you and move in your life if you choose to let Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis, chapter 36, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Amalek to Eliphaz. These were the sons of Ada, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Reuel, Nahath, Zerah, Shema, I don't know, Mizah. And these were the sons of Basemath, Esau's wife. These were the sons of Holibama, Esau's wife, the daughter of Enah, the daughter of Zibion. And she bore to Esau Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. All right, so there you go. We've already gone through this list once before. Hey, guess what? We'll go through it yet again, <laughs> okay? In case you're like, I missed it. Oh, don't worry. We'll cover these names again about two more times through this chapter. It's establishing the structure, and really it's kind of painting a picture. For the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they're going to make connections with these names, okay? Especially Amalek and the Amalekites. They're really going to know these guys. But as they're about to journey back into the promised land, the groundwork is being laid, so to speak, concerning the different individuals that they will encounter there. And all of it highlights the fact that, listen, as far as Israel is concerned, Jacob, and then you go to Isaac, and then to Abraham, these are our forefathers, so to speak. Uh, these guys all chose to follow the Lord. Esau chose not to follow the Lord. And here's the fruit of that decision. You have all these bad guys that start popping up onto the scene. Ishmael, he chose not to follow the Lord, wasn't interested in it either. They'll notice too, as they journey into the promised land, all these other bad guys that show up because of him. And a clear line of delineation is kind of being marked there saying, hey, follow the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and let him just take care of you. Let him guide and direct you, and let him just trust the Lord. If you choose to go your own way, hey, you don't know what your decisions are going to cause. They may cause you heartache. They may not cause you any heartache, but they may cause your children heartache, or your grandchildren, or ones to follow soon after you. There's consequences, and there is a reaping and sowing and all that stuff, 
This is all being kind of communicated to the children of Israel. It's kind of like prepping them for what you're about to experience when you leave slavery and go into the promised land, so to speak. So here it's going to break it down. The family is growing physically. Sons are having sons and daughters and all that good stuff. Now they're establishing themselves as leaders, verse 15. And these were the chiefs of the sons of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz, firstborn of Esau, were Chief Timon, uh, Chief Omar, Chief Zepho, Chief Kenaz, Chief Korah, Chief Gatam, Chief Amalek. There's that name again, the Amalekites. These were the chiefs of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. They were the sons of Ada. These were the sons of Raul, Esau's son, Chief Nahath, Chief Zerah, Chief Shema. I don't know that one, Chief Mizah. These were the chiefs of Raul in the land of Edom, and these were the sons of Basemath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Aholibama, Esau's wife, Chief Jeush, Chief Jalem, Chief Korah. These are the chiefs who descended from Aholibama, Esau's wife, the daughter of Anah. These are the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these were their chiefs. And so you see what's happening here. We're just like... It's going to beat it into your brain that, hey, this is how this family works, okay? And you'll walk away thinking like, wait, what What was the point of that? The point is, hey, follow the Lord. Um, Just follow the Lord Jesus. Don't try to establish your own kind of kingdom. Just invest in the kingdom of God. There you go. Uh, But it's showing that they're growing. And as they're growing physically, they're growing in authority as well. They are overtaking this region. Because now they're establishing themselves. It's not like they're getting elected. This isn't a democracy. It's not like they showed up and everybody's like, hey, we think you guys should be like rulers and we'll vote you in. This is not how it works. This family is growing so big and so vast. They're like, "Um, here's how it works. We're in charge. We're in charge. My son over there, he's in charge of that area. My son over there, he's in charge over there. They are establishing themselves as the rulers of this area, as the rulers of this area, okay? And they're growing in number, vastly. Now, here's a little transition from Esau's family to the family that was inhabiting the land there. And this is the family that he kind of partners with, but soon overtakes. Look at this, verse 20. These are the sons of Seir, the Horite, who inhabited the land. Lotan, Shobal, uh, Zivion, Ana, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. Okay, so they're occupying a small portion of the land there in Edom that Esau has taken over, and he's going to take over their family. That's just how it goes, okay? The sons of Zibion, both Ajah and Anah. This was Anah who found the water in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of his father, Zibion. Interesting little note there. See, it's when I see these things, I'm like, well, what's that about? Like, why is that there? Is there significance there? Like, what? He found the hot springs. Hot springs. Who doesn't love hot springs, right? You go sit in those things. You can drink the water, I guess, and it's supposed to be good for you. I don't know. But the Bible college where I went was located on hot springs, Marietta Hot Springs. And it smelled horrible. Uh, it smelled like rotten eggs everywhere we went. But here he is, a little side note. As Moses is writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's just listing names, 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 this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Oh, yeah, by the way, this guy found hot springs in the wilderness as he took care of the donkeys of his dad. And you're like, okay, all right, cool. All right, well, I don't know where to put that, but it's got to mean something, but maybe it doesn't. That's what I don't. I research this like crazy. I'm like, nothing? Nobody's got anything? No, 
Because I don't think anybody's bothered by it like I am, right? Everybody else just has a tendency to be like, yeah, we're just going to move on. And I'm like, well, no. All right, whatever. Hot springs. There you go. Here's the thing, though. This does matter. Because this guy was resourceful. He was resourceful. He's out there working, taking care of his dad's donkeys. And he locates this hot spring, this source of water in the wilderness. That's pretty major. That's pretty major. Because in the wilderness, the one thing you want and need the most, hot springs. You need water. You need water. And water is going to be the key to success for this family business. You got to have this. This guy found it. I don't know if he was looking for it. I don't know if he just stumbled upon it. I have no idea. But he's the only guy in the family who found anything. He's the only guy in the family who found anything that would be of value to his family. And there you go. And he's got a little side note within the Bible. Will we see the next guy in heaven? I don't know. I would like to say, say yes, but I'm thinking probably not. I don't, no one in this family really has any desire. And what you'll see is there's a complete absence to God in this whole chapter. He's not mentioned. Just like when we talked about in Genesis 34, there was no mention of God at all. And we understood what was happening there in Shechem and Jacob's daughter getting raped, and there was no reference to God at all within that chapter. Well, nobody was really seeking him out in that chapter. Genesis 36, none of these people, yeah, you may have found water, and that's good, but what would have been more impressive is if at least one of these guys would have been seeking the Lord, at least one of them, but there's no references at all, none here. But this guy finds water. That's a good thing. Um, and we continue on. And these are the children of Anah, Deshaun, Aholibama, the daughter of Anah. These were the sons, uh, this is verse 26, the sons of Deshaun, Himdan, Ishban, Ithran, Cheran. You got to make them rhyme after a while because, you know, you're not going to remember these kids' names anyway. You're the one naming them. You're like, you know how it works. You go through every single name you can before you get to the one that you're talking to. But the way this works is you got to make them rhyme so you can remember all these names. These were the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, uh, Zavan, and Achan, and they were the sons of Deshan, Uz, and Aran, or Aran, which means mountain goat. Side note, that's what that means, mountain goat. I only know that because my father-in-law calls my wife a mountain goat all the time, okay? And I, it's a term of endearment. Um, he's got three daughters, so this poor guy, just three daughters, and he was like the only guy in the family, right? And uh, he came up with all these nicknames for his daughters. Mountain Goat was one of them. And as I was studying this, I was like, hey, I found your name. And then my wife is not happy about that at all. So uh, I was like, oh, I'm just kidding. And I bought her flowers. Uh, it's okay. These are the chiefs of the Horites, Chief Lotan, Chief Shobal, Chief Zibion, Chief Ana, Chief Dishan, Chief Ezer, Chief Dishan. Uh, they were the chief of the Horites, uh, according to their chiefs in the land of Seir. So they're growing, they're multiplying, and it's just places kind of exploding, so to speak. Now we go from chiefs. Your Bible may say bishops. I don't know. that I saw that that was a common phrase that happened, mostly in like older translations, like uh, King James, but uh, a lot of the older, like hundreds of year kind of ago guys, commentators, uh, always were referencing bishops. Uh, don't think England bishops. That's not what we're talking about, if you know any of that stuff. This is more of like Middle Eastern kind of bishops, meaning chieftains, rulers kind of a thing. But you're going to go from these uh, chieftains or these chiefs into kings now. Now they're establishing their kingdom 
right? And before Israel ever had a king, before you know, any king showed up from Jacob, Esau was already establishing many kings uh, from his line. Verse 31, it says, these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. Uh, Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom. The name of his city was Ben-Habah. And when Bela died, Jobab, the son of Zerah of Basra, reigned in his place. When Jobab died, uh, Husham, the land of the Temanites, reigned in his place. When Husham died, Hadad, the son of Bedad, who attacked Midian, here's another little interesting side note, attacked Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his place. So fascinating. So you have the Moabites, they're established already, Moabites. Well, what does that matter? Well, you have a very famous Moabite, Moabitess, um, her name is Ruth, okay? She is so famous, she finds herself in the lineage of Jesus. Cool story. Absolutely cool story. If you, if you want to read a very fascinating, beautiful love story, um, read the book of Ruth, okay? Uh, four chapters long, perfect, beautiful love story. In fact, Benjamin Franklin once was over in France, and I believe he was probably in Paris, standing before a group of individuals who were kind of mocking the Bible. And he said, let me read you a story. And he read them the book of Ruth. Didn't tell them it was the book of Ruth. Didn't tell them it was the Bible. And they were amazed at the beauty of this love story. And it was when he had concluded and he, you know, heard all the good positive feedback from them, he was like, oh, by the way, that was from the Bible. <laughs> That's from the Bible. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful love story. Uh, Ruth, this is part of it. Midian, the Midianites, they're causing trouble there for the nation of Israel, for sure. Also, we're causing some trouble for uh, Esau and his clan as well. So one of these guys who becomes a king is probably solely based on the fact that he was willing to go to battle for his family. He attacked Midian in the field of Moab. He reigned in his place. The name of his city was Avith. When Hadad died, uh, Samla of Masrachah reigned in his place. When Samla died, uh, Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his place. There's another little interesting reference there. This guy lived down by the river, okay? Uh, when Saul died, and this isn't the Saul, the two Sauls that you would know, maybe King Saul, this isn't him, okay? And this isn't Saul who later becomes Paul because that's New Testament stuff, all right? This is a different guy, totally different guy. Saul died. Here's an interesting thing, this next guy's name, Baal uh, Hanan. The son of uh, Akbor reigned in his place. When Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, died, Hadar reigned in his place. The name of his city was uh, Pau. Uh, his wife's name was Mehetabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. That's fascinating because that's the first reference we get to this foreign false god, Baal. Now, he would, uh, he would be, this false god would be something that really would be used to mess up the Israelites when they come back into the promised land, this God. And, he, and there's a lot of references to him concerning what he was the God of, maybe the God of agriculture, which in that day would be really the God of like success. And monetarily speaking, he would have connections with that. But it's fascinating that in Esau's line, here we have, at least as far as we know, biblically speaking and chronologically speaking, this is the first reference to this false God. And we find it in Esau's family. So not only has he gone away from the Lord in that sense, but now you see within his family the introduction of false gods. Now, false gods were, all, were on the scene long before Esau even showed up, 
But it is fascinating that within his family that here you got, your, one of your descendants is connected to your family. That's his name. That's this guy's name. The other interesting side note of that last little portion there is there are three ladies that are mentioned within this genealogy, which is abnormal for this culture because, unfortunately, women didn't have much value back then. And so to list them in a genealogy would be interesting, to say the least. Now, why they're listed within here, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I did. You would have to do extra biblical research, meaning outside of the Bible kind of research to figure out, because this family did a lot of stuff in world history. You can find out some things about these guys. You have like his wife, uh, Mehetabel, however you say her name, and then she was the daughter of Matred. She was the daughter of Mezahab. So you have daughter, mother, and grandmother that are all referenced within this genealogy. And... Biblically speaking, that's it. We don't know why, but there was some sort of significance there that it would probably make sense to the children of Israel coming into the land. And then verse 40, as we close out this genealogy, and these are the names of the chiefs of Esau according to their families and their places by their names, Chief Timnah, Chief Alva, Chief Japheth, Chief Oholibama, which that's fascinating that this chief is named Oholibama, which we're like, wait. Oholibama, it's like, wait, wasn't that his wife's name? Well, the son's probably named after her, okay? Which doesn't happen a lot. You don't have that happening a lot there. Uh, but that's Chief Oholibama, Chief Ela, Chief Pinon. Uh, I don't know how you say it. If you're from New Mexico, you can say that better than I can. Chief Kinaz, Chief Timan, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdal, uh, Chief Iram. These are the chiefs of Edom, according to their dwelling place in the land of their possession. Esau was the father of the Edomites. Now, that's like the third time we see that mentioned there, just for the sake of clarity. Um, Edom means Esau. The Edomites are connected to Esau. So again, showing the story of two brothers. This one, Edom, Esau, Edomites, went this way. Jacob and his descendants, as we will pick back up in chapter 37, Praise God for that. Oh, my goodness. We are transitioning into my favorite biblical character other than Jesus. Okay, don't, they're like, well, what about Jesus? Okay, he's top notch. Okay, nobody beats Jesus, right? Like, he's absolute best biblical character, Old Testament and New Testament. But after that, Joseph, my favorite. He's my favorite. Chapter 37, we're going to get back on track with Joseph and his family, and we're going to follow Jacob and his family, and we're going to follow these guys as they continue to... Well, in one sense, pursue the Lord, kind of. This is a messed up family. This messed up. You may read through Esau's line, and you're like, wow, what a messed up family. And then you read Jacob's family, and you're like, well, that's a messed up family too. It seems as though God doesn't use perfect people. Well, he doesn't because they don't exist. They don't. There was only one perfect person used by God, and his name was Jesus. And that's it. He was the first and last and there hasn't been another one since him. He's the only perfect individual that has been used by God. And if you can be encouraged by anything, especially going through that genealogy we just went through, it's a messed up family. Now, does that mean that this family was absent of hope? No. There was always hope. There was always hope. There's always hope for one of these guys to say, you know what? I think the road we're heading down is the wrong path. I think we're wrong. And don't we have some cousins over here? And they worship this other god. Uh, El Shaddai is what they call him, God most powerful. And they're building altars all over the place. Shouldn't we do that? 
Now, there's some distance geographically speaking between these individuals, but what you need to understand is those seeds were planted in Esau's head and his heart. He watched his dad build altars. He watched his dad serve God. He was well aware of this. He was well aware of the faith of his father. Absolutely. There's no excuse. There's no excuse on his part. He grew up in that family. He's well aware of the promise. He's well aware of everything that God, even that God had said concerning him. And he watched it come to pass. There's no excuse. But he chose to set the standard for him and his family saying, as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve ourselves. And that's just in reference to Joshua who says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Esau was all about, hey, pursue what the world has to offer to you. Drink your fill of it. Good luck getting satisfied with that because I bet he could even attest at the end of his life. I've done everything. Everything that you can imagine. Everything that you could possibly imagine. I've had it all. Wealth that you can't calculate. Multiple wives, big family, large success, all the stuff. I mean, my goodness, you have kingdoms that are coming from your lineage. At the end of his life, he could say, I'm not satisfied. This isn't enough. This is all empty. It's all empty. And it's the same thing that we've seen from time and time again from different people, stars, celebrities, and all that good stuff. But ultimately, there is a breaking point for individuals where they say, you know what? I've had all that this world has to offer, and I'm still not satisfied. Still not satisfied. And some of them, that could be a catalyst for them to pursue God, right? Which is what we would hope for. And other ones continue on trying to fill this void that's inside of them with all this material stuff, and it's just not going to work. I just always remember, you know, Tom Brady, that guy who's won like every single Super Bowl ever existed. I don't know why that team just keeps winning. But after the first couple of Super Bowl wins, they asked him, they're like, hey, you know, yeah, you're like one of the greatest players to ever have played. You're satisfied, right? He's like, no. And it's not like I want more Super Bowls. You can tell he's like, I thought this was going to be that fix for me to fill this hole, but it didn't do it. I'm not satisfied. And that's just a common story that's out there from a lot of people who have experienced, you know, tremendous amounts of success. And it's like, nothing can fill it. Nothing can fill that hole. It's got to be filled by someone, and that's Jesus. And if we, if we can take anything away from Genesis 36, it's that, man, you can try. The best, the, some of the best in the world have, have tried it, and they've failed. Nobody's obtained fulfillment from pursuing the world. Nobody's ever done it. Nobody's ever done it. Nobody ever will do it. If you want fulfillment, if there's an emptiness inside of you, it's got to be Jesus. He's your only answer. He's your only answer. And so um, we're going to see through, the, through focusing on the last part of Genesis, Genesis 37 through chapter 50, I mean, we are focused primarily on one character, and that's Joseph, and he is a picture of Jesus. He's a picture of Jesus. We'll see that as we progress through this. So um, there you go, Genesis 36. Genesis is the beginning of it all. Not just the Bible, but life as a whole. 
God detailed his creation story in the first few chapters of this book, and then went on to reveal his power and glory in the following pages. We learn who he is through this book, what's important to him, and how he expects us to follow him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus. Let me paint the picture of you.